Today, Pastor Dale is challenging us to start this journey of change by setting a date for a better destiny. This message is the first in the series, Turning Point. The message is entitled, Make the Date. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Go ahead and grab your Bibles, if you will, and your teaching sheets as we turn our attention this morning to God's Word. If you'd like to go ahead and turn your Bibles to 1 Chronicles chapter 4, that's where we will spend most of our time today, 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. We're starting a brand new series of messages entitled Turning Point. And today's message is entitled, Make the Date, Make the Date. Now, as we're getting ready to study, let me encourage you, by the way, uh, to be here Wednesday evening. Wednesday evening is our Turning Point Prayer Night. We're actually, with this fasting and prayer time, establishing Wednesday evening as a prayer service together. So it's a great time for you to come and to get really consecrate yourself in prayer to God and us as a congregation. So again, that's 7.15 this coming Wednesday evening. We would really encourage you to be a part of that. Making a date, making a date with destiny. Several weeks ago, as I was thinking about this new year and praying for God's wisdom and guidance for us as a church and for you and your lives and for my responsibility to you as your pastor, I began to say, God, what is it that you'd have me to share? What is it that's on your heart for your people? Because really a pastor's ministry is not to bring his agenda to the platform, but to bring God's agenda to the platform. What does God want to say to his people? And what does God want to say to you in this point and season of your life? And I felt God whispering into my heart this phrase, a date with destiny. A date with destiny. As I explored that more and thought about it, I began to realize that God was saying to us in this season, in this January and February of 2013, that I want you to begin to do some things. That's speaking to each one of us. God's saying, I want you to do some things in your life that will be turning points for you. That'll be a real turn in a new direction for your journey with me, for your relationship with me. And I want you to make the date this year. This year is going to be your turning point year. As I began to think about this and prayerfully consider it, prepare myself for these messages, I really felt something of a prophetic uh, anointing, a prophetic sense of urgency that began to be in my spirit. And I told you before, I'm really a pastor. I'm not a pastor and a teacher. I don't ever think of myself prophetically, but I do believe this is a prophetic word for us, that in this season, God is saying a, thus saith the Lord, in a very specific way to our lives, to say, hey, you know what, I've got some things for you and I want you to hear, so I really want to encourage you to, first of all, tune your ears to the voice of God, not to my voice, because folks, I can't change you, only God can. I can't do anything for you, only God can. You need to hear not my voice, you and I don't need to hear the voices of men, we need to hear the voice of God, Amen. And so, through my voice, I hope that you'll hear, more importantly, the voice of God speaking to you, a thus saith the Lord for your life. And all of us can look back on our life and our life journey, and we can say, you know what, there have been times that were real turning points for me. Sometimes those turning points are good, sometimes they're not so good. In fact, for some of you, you are where you are today because five years, ten years ago, you made a turning point. You accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, and your life has never been the same since that day. And there was a day on the calendar, a day in a particular year. You can look at your calendar and say, that was the day I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And that year, on that day, the calendar marks a turning point in my life. For some of you, you can say, yep, my life changed X number of years ago when I had a moment before a minister and I said, I do, and she said, I do, and that changed my life forever. 
And it was a turning point moment. Why? Because a commitment was made. And so, again, you can look back on your life and you can look at calendars and say, on that day in that year, this happened and my life has not been the same since that day in that year. And I believe that this year, 2013, 2013, that we have the opportunity to begin to say, there's going to be a day on my calendar, the 13th year of the 21st century, in January, February, we can say we're making a turning point in our life that we'll look back on five years or 10 years or 15 years or 20 years, should the Lord tarry and should we still be here, and look back and say, that was the time I made a turning point. I can show you the calendar and the day and the hour, the moment that I made some decisions that changed my life. And if you'll notice through Scripture, there are all kinds of indications of this in the Bible. People had turning point moments. Moses had a turning point moment when he stood before the burning bush, didn't he? After 40 years in the wilderness, he stands before a burning bush. Nothing's ever the same after that. Peter, Andrew, James, and John taking care of their business by the seashore. They're fishermen, and Jesus comes along and says, Hey, come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Guess what? That was a turning point day. They can look back on a calendar in a particular year, and a day in that year when they said yes to Jesus, they were never, ever the same again. Isaiah, when he saw the Lord high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filling the temple, the angels crying, Holy, holy, holy. And, and Jeremiah, excuse me, Isaiah allowed God to change him radically that day. He could look back on a calendar and say it was in the year that King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord high and lifted up the train of his robe filling the temple. So years and days make a difference. And I want to challenge you and encourage you this weekend to make your date today with destiny. Hebrews chapter 4 tells us that this is our day. I told you we're going to go to 1 Chronicles chapter, chapter 4 in a moment, but let me read for you Hebrews chapter 4 verse 7 because I want to lay the foundation for where we'll go in just a bit. So God set another time for entering his rest, and that time is, what time is it? Today. Today is your time. God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted, today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. See, God says, my day for you is, what day? Today. Today is my day for you. It's not another day. This can be your day. But when God says, I want you to make a date with history, to date with destiny, what God is saying is you've got to sign up for the date. God has already established the date with you. You have to respond. See, there is no date unless both people agree to it. You can say, I'm going to have an appointment with such and such a person, but if they're not in agreement with the appointment, guess what? You'll be there by yourself. You can invite someone out to a date, but if they don't show up, guess what? You're stood up. See, it takes two to have a date. And God is saying, what I want you to realize is I've already offered it to you. It's for today. Will you make the date for your life? And the focus for, the, for today's message is on one man who made a date with God. And he was never, ever the same. First Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. A very familiar story for many of you, but I want us to, to dive into it again this weekend and let God speak to our hearts and lives. So would you read it with me aloud and loudly together? First Chronicles 4, 9 and 10. Here we go. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. 
Let me tell you a little bit about Jabez. And basically all that we know about Jabez, you will find in those two verses. Interesting that in the whole history that God is laying out for us in First Chronicles, because it is a chronicle, it is a book of history. And in all this history, God says, I want to take just a side note for a moment and tell you about a man by the name of Jabez. A man that was more honorable than anybody else in his family. He was more honorable than all of his brothers. In fact, so much more honorable that I'm not even going to tell you who his brothers were. They don't get names in the Bible. But Jabez does get a name. And by the way, the name Jabez is a name that means in Hebrew, pain. It means you are pain, you cause pain, you are a pain. That's what the name means. Literally in Hebrew, it means this. How he got this name, we don't know for sure, but it seems to be related, obviously, as the scripture says, to his mother, I gave birth to him in pain. So perhaps the birth of Jabez happened in a very traumatic way physically for his mom. And so when he finally gets here, he just, he, she looks at him and says, you are a pain. Or maybe she was going through some emotional trauma at this time in her life. We don't know the circumstances that caused her to name her child Jabez. You are a pain. But let me tell you, when you start out life with a name like that, you're going to bad places, right? You've been labeled from the get-go. You've been established with a certain sort of emotional and psychological aura about you. You are a pain. But the Bible says of Jabez that he had a character that was different, even in the midst of his pain, from his brothers. What was different about Jabez? What did Jabez have that his brothers didn't have? It wasn't less pain. It wasn't less trouble. It wasn't less limitations. No, he had many pains and many troubles and many limitations in his life. But the Bible says that he was more honorable. And that word honorable literally means weighty. He had something of substance in his character that caused him to do something that his brothers never did. So I want to share with you today four things that Jabez did in his life that you and I can do starting today that will help us to make a date with history. And I'm using the acrostic D-A-T-E, date, to help you remember these four steps in your life. The first thing that's necessary if you and I want to make a date with God and we want to experience all that he has for us this year, the years to come, the turning point moments of our life, we must decide to be done with the things that are diminishing and destroying our life. We must decide to be done with anything in our life right now that would diminish us or destroy us. Anything that is causing your life to be less than what God wants it to be, anything that might be destroying the life that God has given you, today God is saying, I want you to be done with it. On a particular day in a particular year, we don't know the exact day or the exact year, but one thing we know is that Jabez did something that he'd never done before. On this particular date in the calendar, Jabez came to the place of saying, I am tired of living in pain. I've been in pain my entire life. I have been in a situation that I have not wanted to be in. And now I've come to the place of saying enough is enough. I am sick and tired of living the life that I've lived. And now I am making a decision to be done with those things that have diminished me all of my life, that have destroyed me all of my life. I am sick and tired of having my life diminished and destroyed. It's time to do something about the way I'm thinking. It's time to do something about the way I'm living. It's time to do something about the way I'm relating and responding to life, Jabez says, I have decided that I'm going to be done with what has been my life to this point. I'm done with it. Now, this is important because remember, Jabez had some brothers. Jabez was, and his brothers were raised in the same family, but they weren't the same people. 
His brothers were less honorable than him. So there's something honorable about Jabez saying, I'm going to be different. Even if my family doesn't follow me, even if my family doesn't embrace what I'm going to do, I'm in, I am accepting the responsibility to be done with my life as it has been. There are all kinds of stories in the Bible of people who came to these kind of decision points. Let me take you back a number of years ago to the book of Haggai. The book of Haggai, the prophet Haggai, speaks to the exiles after they've returned from Babylonian captivity. They've been given the responsibility to rebuild the temple. And they are not doing their job. They have fallen away from this priority. And they've, they've begun building their own houses instead of building the house of God. And God comes to them in this moment and with his words prophetically says, You have planted much but have harvested little. You eat but, have, but never have enough. You drink but never have your fill. You put on clothes but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Read the rest with me. Give careful thought to your ways think about what you're doing with your life right now. It's time to be done with the way you've been living. There's another story that Jesus gave us in Luke chapter 15. It's a story of the prodigal son that had to come to this being done with things that were diminishing and destroying his life. I love this story. Luke chapter 15 beginning in verse 11. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. He made a turning point in the wrong direction. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. He began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Notice this next phrase, when he came to his senses. Say that with me. When he came to his senses, when he woke up and realized how he was living, when he woke up and looked around and said, my goodness. Look at where my life has come to. Look at what's going on. My life has diminished. My life has been destroyed by the choices that I've made. When he came to his, his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. He has now a good turning point in his life. Why? Because he says, I am going to be done with everything that's been diminishing me everything that's been destroying me. So I want to encourage you this first weekend of a brand new year to make a decision in your life. Decide, I'm going to be done with anything in my life that's making me less than who God wants me to be, that might be destructive to who God created me to be. And by the way, don't you worry about the power to fulfill the decision. God has all the power necessary to help you with it. Amen? Number two, the A. Date A stands for be prepared to honestly admit the things God wants addressed in your life. Be prepared to honestly admit all those things that God wants addressed in your life. To address means to deal with something. To admit means to own up to. And God is saying if you're going to be done with those things that are diminishing and destroying you, you have to admit them. And then you have to also let me begin to address them and you have to address them as well. See, in every life, every person here, every person here, all of us, 
There are things in our life right now that are causing our lives to be hindered, that are hindering us either spiritually or emotionally or hindering us in the way that we think or hindering us in our relationships. Everybody here, we all have some kind of issues or challenges in our life right now that are keeping us from being everything that God wants us to be. Would you agree with that, right? Amen? If you didn't agree with that, you have a bigger problem than you even realize you have, okay? We have issues in our life that need to be admitted and need to be addressed. And what I have learned is that if you find the right things to address, I mean, they, they can have radical implications positively for your life. Now, I'm not much of a bowler. I bowl about once every five years or so, okay? And so that tells you what my score might be for those of you who like to bowl. But I do know one thing about bowling. I know this. When you bowl, the objective is to get a strike. I understand that part. And when you bowl to get a strike, the best way to get a strike is to put that ball with enough energy down the middle of the lane or find that middle way where it hits the very first pin and that row of ten pins, it's called the king pin. Because when you hit the king pin, every other pin falls down. That's how you get a strike. For those of you who say, oh, I never do that. Now you know, okay? That's how you actually get a strike. The tent, the, 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 that king pin knocks everything else down if you hit it just the right way. And in your life, in my life, there are kingpin issues that if you can say, God, this is what I want you to do in my life, if God can knock that kingpin down, you can allow him to do so, you can admit it, let God address that in your life, and you address it in your life, that kingpin issue can cause a lot of other issues to be resolved at the very same time. And so let me tell you what God's going after this year in a good way for you and me, he's going after your kingpins, amen? He's saying, I want you to admit these things. I want you to acknowledge them. I want you to own up to them so that they can be addressed. This is exactly what Jabez did in his prayer. Notice verse number 10. This is the prayer that Jabez prayed. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. Now let's break this prayer apart for a moment. First of all, he says, God, bless me. Why did he need to be blessed? Because he was acknowledging there were some places of his life that were cursed. God, there's some things in my life that are cursed. I need your blessing. That's why he prayed, bless me. He prayed, God, enlarge me. Why? Because he realized there's some places in his life where he was limited, where he was small. He needed to become a bigger person. So his prayer for enlargement really was an acknowledgement and admission of some smallness in his life. He prayed, let your hand be with me. See, the hand of God represents the strength or the power of God. All through the scripture, the Bible, when you read about the hand of God, it is the might. It is the power of God. And so when, when, when Jabez prayed, Lord, let your hand be with me, what was he acknowledging? He was acknowledging, God, I'm weak in some areas of my life, so I need your power. I need your hand to be with me. And then he said, God, free me from pain. What was he acknowledging there? He was acknowledging that he had some pain in his life. So all these positive prayers that Jabez prayed actually were a cry. They were cries to God based upon things that he realized were issues in his life. God, I've got some curses that need to be broken. I've got some limitations that need to be overcome. I've got some weaknesses where I need your power. I've got some pain where I need your healing. Bless me, enlarge me, let your hand be with me, keep me from harm, free me from pain, deliver me, God, in a way that only you can deliver me. There was an admission that came from Jabez in the midst of his prayer. This was the key to his turning point. And sadly, oh so sadly, 
there's so many people that never experience the turning point that they need to experience in their life because they're just not willing to admit. They're not willing to own up to or address the kingpin issues that need to be addressed in their life so that they can go forward. See, until you do it, until you do like Jabez did and said, I've got some stuff, God, that need, these things need to be addressed. I need your help in these areas. Until you do that and own up to it yourself and be willing to address it, those things will never change. So why are we so slow to respond to God in these ways? Let me quickly tell you four reasons that I've observed in my life and in people. First of all, because we're blind to them. Sometimes you don't admit things because you don't see things, right? You just don't see things that are holding you back. And so that's the devil's strategy to make you blind. He loves to blind us to the issues of our life that need to be addressed. And so we have to pray that God, the God of light, would shine light, understanding upon us. The second reason is because sometimes we're quite vested in them. We want to hold on to these things. Why? Because we're getting something out of them. I've seen people before that Christian believers that continue to live in certain patterns of sin because they, they, they were finding some pleasure in it. The fact the Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season. And so they don't want to give it up because they're enjoying it too much to give it up. It's destroying them, but at the same time, they're having some fun, if you will, doing it. And so they're saying, God, later, you know, I'll, 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 I'll deal with this at some other point in time. They're vested in it. A third reason is because of fearfulness. A lot of times in our lives, the reason that we don't give things to God is because we're afraid of what he might require of us. Oh God, if I give this to you, what's my life going to be like? This is very true when it comes to people who are suffering with and struggling with addictions in their life. Why? Because oftentimes they don't want to let go because they've lived their life, a portion of their life, leaning on that addiction, leaning on that substance, leaning on that relationship, leaning on whatever may have, that they may be addicted to in life because that's what gets them through. And so to try to address that and give it up is quite fearful to them. And so they have to be willing to address those fears. Quite often it's simply self-defensiveness. You know, we, we might might say, yeah, I can see I, those things are issues, but they're not my fault. We deflect, we push them away onto other people. There are all kind of reasons why. But what I want to challenge you to do is to say, you know what, today God, like Jabez, I'm making a decision. I'm coming to you on a day, January the 6th, 2013, a day on the calendar. And I'm saying, God, I want to be done with everything that is diminishing my life and destroying my life. And God, I'm willing to admit whatever it is that I need to admit. I'm willing to address those things in my life so that I can experience the turning point to make the date with, with destiny that you have for me. The third thing that's necessary so we have to tell God and others what we're targeting for transformation. Let me say that again. Tell God and who else? Others. What you are targeting. That is, what are your kingpin issues? You've got to tell God and you have to tell others what you're targeting for transformation. Jabez did this. Listen again to verse number 10. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, oh, that you would, you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. The first part of that verse says that God, Jabez, cried out to the God of Israel. Jabez turned his pain and turned his problem to prayer. Jabez said, God, I need to tell you about this. I need you to know what's going on inside of me. I need to have a real heart-to-heart -heart conversation with you, God. I need you to know what's going on in my life and what I want to see changed in my life. But let me tell you something else. Jabez didn't just tell God. Jabez told somebody else, too. 
Now, how do we know that Jabez told someone else? Because this whole story is in your Bible. It would not be in your Bible had Jabez not reported this situation to somebody, someone else. Other people knew that Jabez prayed this prayer because it got recorded in the pages of Scripture. Jabez told somebody else other than God. Now, folks, this is the scariest thing for most of us. Most of us have no problem, at least at, once we get to the place of honest, honesty and, 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 and realness in our lives, to tell God what's going on. But sometimes we have a challenge telling somebody else, I need your help with this issue in my life. I need a brother, a sister in Christ. I need to connect with the body of Christ, the church, to find the strength that's necessary to own up to these things so I can grow and change and to be honest not just with God, but to be honest with some other folks that God has placed in our lives. Would you agree sometimes that's tough, right? But for many folks, the key to your breakthrough is not just telling God, but also having some people in your life that can help you. Notice a few verses that relate to this. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 9. Two are better than one. What's, what's the Bible saying? It's better to live in community than by yourself. It's better to be connected with other people than to be a lone ranger out there. It's better to be connected with a community of believers than to be a person that tries to independently do life on your own. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. Jesus made this emphasis as well in Matthew 18, verses 19 and 20. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. Again, Jesus says, your best life is lived in community. Your best life is lived when you invite other people to pray with you about the issues that you need to pray for and pray about in your life. Now, James 5, 16 gets really scary. Let's read this one together with us, all aloud and loudly together. Here we go. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Now, again, most of us don't have a big problem confessing our sins to God when we get to that place of of honestly realizing what they are but let me tell you sometimes it's tough to confess your sins to one another amen because you just gave them some information about you requires some trust requires some sense of knowing I can trust this person that's why the church ought to be a trusting place ought to be a place where we are for one another and not against each other we're standing with one another side by side and we're encouraging and helping one another not pulling out our bayonets and killing one another but we're loving on one another and helping each other to get further along in their spiritual journey because you and I need each other amen the thing that you'll notice in all of these passages that I just read it was all about community it was all about relationships it was all about the fact that we need people in our lives that will help us to get free of the things that we need to be free from it's scary but it pays tremendous dividends now that being said what I want to do right now in our in our our, our time of teaching this morning is I want to turn things from just my teaching moment to a practical application moment And so if you're sitting on the left-hand side of the aisle, I'm going to ask you to reach down. There's a sort of purplish-looking bag that should be on the left-hand side of the aisle. Would you grab those? And out of that bag, uh, if you will, take uh, a piece of paper, a a form that you'll find in that bag. And I'd like for everybody to get one. Because we want this to be not just a, a teaching. We want it to be an application See, God is big on us doing, not just hearing. Amen? 
He says, don't just be a hearer of the word, be a doer of the word. So here's an application point for you today. So everybody get one of these. And once those get down to the end of the aisle, if you will, just uh, you can sit those purple bags down to the right-hand side of the aisle and just then give me your attention here just for a moment. First of all, do not, do not, do not put your name on this piece of paper. Don't put your email address, don't put your phone number, don't put anything that relates to you personally that we would know about, okay? I want to be totally anonymous here today, okay? Because this is an important part of what I'm going to ask you to do. So this is an anonymous moment, okay? It's you and God here for the next few moments. And here's what this turning point commitment card says. I am asking God to help me deal with the following things in my life that are holding me back. We're coming to a place of honestly admitting and being willing to address some things that God says, if you're going to turn in this new direction I have for you, you got to work on these things. You can't keep going the way you are. Okay? I'm trusting Him, that's God, to help me, deliver me, and heal me from. And then you have an opportunity on this piece of paper to write down right now, what are the kingpin issues in your life? What do you struggle with? What are the things that you know about you right now that are holding you back from being all that God wants you to be? That God says, you know what, in 2013, that's a kingpin issue for you. I want to take my spiritual bowling ball, God says. I want, to, I want to address that king pen in your life so that some other things can be addressed. What are those things that you need to address in your life? And I'm going to ask you to just go ahead and write them down, the ones that you can think of. You'll take this home with you, so that at least a portion of it home with you in a few, in a few moments, so you'll have a, an opportunity to write more things down. But I want you just to take a moment. I'm going to give you time here in the service, and you just write some things down. I believe that God is calling me to address these things in my life. So I'm going to give you a moment to do that. If you need a pencil, the ushers are available for you to provide you a pencil. Just raise your hand there, out there and willing to make sure you get a pencil if you need one. We're not going to show these to anybody, okay? If you need to kind of cover yourself up when you write, that's okay. Because sometimes we don't, we're, we, we, we deal with stuff that seems to be a little bit embarrassing or challenging, but it's important to be honest with God in your life right now. What is it? This, this year, God's saying, this is your, this is your kingpin. I'll give you another minute or so here. And again, you can continue this as you get back home and this next week if you so desire. And once you've finished with that, just put it aside for a moment. We're going to come back to it in just a bit here because I want to lead you to my fourth point before we, we address what's on this piece of paper. So just put this aside now and, and we'll come back to it again here in just a moment. Here's my final point for you today, okay? And it really relates to what I just had you to do. The fourth thing is expect something wonderful to happen. Expect something wonderful to happen. Jabez prayed this prayer because he believed. He believed that if he prayed it, things would be different. Oh God, I'm asking you to bless me. I'm praying you'll enlarge my territory and let your hand be upon me and keep me from harm and God free me from pain. Why did Jabez pray? Because Jabez believed that there was a God in heaven who really cared about him individually. 
He believed there was a God in heaven who actually cared about the issues that were on his piece of paper. That God cared about these things in his own life. God was concerned about them and concerned about Jabez. He believed that God Almighty had the power to help him with every issue that he was owning up to in his life. He believed that God was willing to intervene in these things in his life. I want to remind you today, I hope this will find its way deep and prophetically in your heart today, a promise from Almighty God. Whatever you put on this list or whatever is in your heart, I want you to know that first and foremost, God Almighty loves you. God Almighty cares about you. God Almighty sent His very own Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross and to shed His blood so that you could be delivered from everything that would limit your life, everything that would diminish your life, everything that would destroy your life. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come so you might have life and have it abundantly. So Jesus Christ came to set you free because he loves you he cares about you he cares about the issues that you're facing he's concerned about them in your life he has the power to do something about everything that's on this list and he has the willingness to do something about everything that's on this list and if God answered Jabez prayer God will answer your prayer as well you must understand that now notice again, 1 Chronicles 4, 9, and 10. Jabez expected an answer when he prayed. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. But here's the turning point. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And read the rest with me aloud and loudly. And God granted his request. Come on, say it with me. And God granted his request. Once again, and God granted his request. If God did it for Jabez, God will do it for you. God will do it for you. And what I've taken you through today and helping you to maybe do some introspection, some looking at your life, some questioning of yourself, what is diminishing my life from being all that God wants me to be and what is holding me back or destroying my life. It was not to make you feel miserable about you, it's to help you come to the place of hope and realizing there's hope to help you. God helped a man that had lived his whole life in pain. He helped him find deliverance, amen? And God will do the same thing for you. In Mark chapter 11, verse 22 The scripture says, Jesus said, have faith in God. In 1 John 5, 14 and 15, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will. Let me stop there for a moment. It is God's will to deliver you. It is God's will to set you free. It is God's will to help you overcome these issues in your life that are holding you back. So you don't have to doubt whether it's the will of God or not to address those things you put on your paper today. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. Amen? Now here's what I want you to do. Grab your papers again, if you will. I want to ask that everybody get your paper out that you had. I'm going to ask you now just to fold it for a moment. Put it in your hand. And I want you now, we're going to pray together over these pieces of paper. And I want you to have faith today that whatever you wrote down, 
God can and God will help you with. Now, let me tell you this. It's going to require some work from you. You're not just going to go to bed tonight and wake up in the morning and be totally different. Okay? You're going to have to do some things. There might be some Bible study you have to get involved in. You might have to get involved in something like Celebrate Recovery here at Church of the Redeemer, a small life group that you need to get connected with. There are all kind of practical things, a class you might need to take about marriage and family. There are all kind of things that you may need to practically do in your life that God will work through. But the beginning point is saying, I believe that God can help me with these kingpin issues in my life. Do you believe it today? Do you believe it? Not do you believe me. Do you believe God? Okay. Do you believe God today? Father, in the name of Jesus, as we hold these pieces of paper in our hand today, they represent a reflection of our hearts. Lord, you said that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so, Lord, we have spoken through these words on this piece of paper what we desire of you, even as Jabez did. And now I pray in the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name, the name that has conquered death, hell, and the grave. I pray, Lord, that you will break through in issues of our life that have held us back for years, for decades. I'm asking that you will free us from things that have limited us. I'm asking you that you will heal pain that has been in hearts for many, many years, broken hearted, pain that has held people back, ways of thinking, attitudes of the mind that has limited lives. We're praying today in the mighty name of Jesus that you would seal, Lord God, faith in our heart toward you and that you, just as you granted Jabez's request, that you would grant our request as well as we offer them to you in Jesus' name. And all the church said, and amen. You know what amen means? Amen, amen means so be it. Let it be verily, verily. Let it be. Amen and amen. Now here's what we're going to do. On the right-hand side of the aisle, there's a, there's a brown bag that's there. And here's what I'm going to ask you. Now before you do anything, listen to me for a moment. I'm going to ask you to take this. It's a carbon copy and just pull it apart like this. Fold it again. And whichever one you want to use to put in the bag, what you're going to do is when you put this in a bag, I want it to be your moment of saying, God, I do believe you. Now, let me tell you something. We're not going to look into the bag later today. I promise you, okay? These bags, these contents are taken up and they're actually shredded. We don't look at them. So, you know, you will not be blackmailed by anything on your piece of paper today, okay? They'll all be taken from here at the end of the day service and we're going to get rid of them because this is just a way for you to say, God, now is my moment specifically of giving this to you. So go ahead now, just pass the brown bags down the aisle, drop those in, take the other form with you, let God continue to speak to you about these things in your heart and in your life, okay? Take a moment and do that, if you will, fantastic. Anybody excited about what God's going to do this year in your life? I am. What a great, great start, making a date with our destiny. Let's pray again together. Father, now I pray that if there's anyone here today who's never given their life to you, I pray that in these next few moments that this would be the time they would offer their heart to you and commit their lives to you. In your name we pray. Well, perhaps as you've been watching today's broadcast, something's been happening inside of you. Maybe you felt a stirring in your heart, something that's reminded you that you need to get some things right in your life with God. The first way we start in that journey with God is to open our hearts to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of our life, to turn all of our life over to Him. 
And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now. It's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Would you bow your head with me and pray this prayer? Say these words, say, Jesus, just acknowledge that He is Lord. Say, Jesus, I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all of my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me just then, I want to encourage you with the promise of God's Word that says when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there's salvation that's brought to our lives. He changes us on the inside, from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you, you need to take some next steps. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word, to make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it, to spend some time each day in prayer. We have some resources available for you through our website. We'd love to provide those for you. Just let us know that you need those, and we'll make sure that we get them into your hands.